We've said that um, of all of the church mentioned uh, in the New Testament, um, Antioch was by far the most healthiest of uh, the Christian communities. And as has been mentioned, it provides us, I believe, with a great blueprint um, as to what church um, could look like or should look like uh, when it's functioning well. And so um, we're just going to look at the things that uh, have been taught, may not have been learnt, but they've certainly been taught, and what it might mean for us uh, here at Bayview. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Okay. I've gone on holidays for a few weeks and... Um, uh, not on holidays, sorry. <laughs> Whoa, that was a mistake, wasn't it? Sorry, Ted. <laughs> if I disappear for a few weeks, I'm, I'm down in Disneyland, okay? <laughs> so let's, um, let's have a look at um, what um, these, I guess, these principles or truths that we've learnt um, over uh, the last three months uh, uh, mean for us. First of all, we've learnt that we are family. We began by saying that um, this, um, the, the primary metaphor uh, used um, to describe the church, in, at least in the New Testament, is family. And you might recall, Nate recalls, um, thank you, um, that there was an extensive research project done back way back in 1985. Uh, it was called The, the Secret, Secrets of Strong Families. And what they did, there was a massive um, research project was that, which was global. I think it took 10 years, and there were tens of thousands of uh, responses. And what they discovered, that there were six reoccurring characteristics of exceptional families. And what they discovered, that, uh, discovered that great families are committed to each other. Great families appreciate one another. Uh, great families, um, they communicate well together. They also spend time together, they cope with problems together, and they share spiritual values. And as we kind of laid a foundation for this series, what I, what I, um, I guess, um, encouraged us to remember and to keep at the forefront of our thinking uh, throughout this series is that what we're seeking to build here at Bayview is, is primarily a family. We often forget that the nation of Israel is actually a really large family. It began with Abraham and Sarah and grew from there into, uh, into the 12 tribes, of, well, the 12, the 12, 12 uh, sons, and from there there's the 12 tribes emerged. And so the nation of Israel uh, was a family, and the church is a family. And that is our foundation. That is the premise of everything else that flowed from this. We've got to think of church through the lens or through the framework of family. We've also learned that the example of uh, the church in Antioch taught us that we are to welcome the outsider and embrace diversity. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 20, it says, um, They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. This was a, was a turning point in, in history. The church um, in Antioch was the first Christian community to open its doors to be inclusive of non-Jews. And we're here today 
because that Christian, that, 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 that church said, we will welcome those that um, are excluded by others. And we're here today because there was this, this uh, openness to those who were different, who didn't kind of uh, fit uh, the, the model. Antioch was also part of uh, the Roman Empire, and the empire, uh, empire operated with a, a rigid class system. And the boundaries between um, uh, different uh, groups were actually legally enforced. You didn't, you, you know, if you were a wealthy person uh, in, in Antioch, in the Roman Empire, you wouldn't find yourself sitting at a meal table uh, with someone who was poor or who was a slave. Everyone knew their place in society. But at the church in Antioch, everyone, regardless of their rank, their social status, their cultural or ethnic background, gender or age, was welcome to worship God and eat together as equals. This was revolutionary and it what it did was what was taking place in Antioch and in other church communities that were springing up throughout the empire this was sowing the seed of the overthrow of the Roman Empire because the empire was built on this rigid um, class structure and churches began to say well Jesus has taught us that regardless of where you are on the, so, on, the, on the social scale, whether you're a male or a female, whether you're, a, whether you're a, a child, whether you're rich or poor, every one of us stands before God in need of salvation. And we saw in uh, the, the, the church in Antioch um, this diversity and equality reflected in, in their leadership team. Barnabas was a wealthy Jew, Simeon was a black man from sub-Saharan West Africa and was probably a servant or a slave. Um, Lucius was from modern-day Libya and was possibly also a servant or slave. Menean, a, a Greek or possibly Syrian man, was raised with King Herod, and so he was from this family of incredible wealth and political power and privilege. And then Paul, well, he was a Jew with Roman citizenship. And he was this kind of theologian um, who would have grown up despising the likes of Menean. And here they were doing life together as a leadership team. And they were modeling something to that community. That diversity and equality was a key ingredient to building a successful church. Um, one of my uh, favorite uh, thinkers is a, a man by the name of Jonathan Sachs, Lord, Lord uh, um, uh, Chief Rabbi of, uh, of, uh, this, of London. And he said, the test of faith is whether I can make space for difference. Can I recognize God's image in someone who is not, my Im in, who is not in my image, whose, whose language, faith, ideals are different from mine? If I cannot then I have made God in my image instead of allowing him to remake me in his. And the great thing about Bayview Church is that we are open to diversity and we're open to difference. I mean, we even accept New Zealanders here <laughs> and Queenslanders. I married one. 
We've also learned throughout this series that we are called to offer um, our world an alternative. One of the most important things to understand about life in first century Antioch is the profound influence of the Roman Empire and Caesar. Can anybody remember what the motto of Rome was? I heard somebody whisper it. Pax, Pax Romana. Pax Romana, the peace, the peace of Rome. And Pax Romana was known as the gospel. Pax Romana was the good news. The common titles that were given to Caesar were, were these. The divine one. Caesar was known as the creator. He was known as the image of the invisible God. He was known as the son of God, the redeemer, Savior of the world, Lord of lords, uh, King of kings, and God made manifest. Now, does that sound familiar? Before any of these titles were ever ascribed to Christ, they were first owned by, by Caesar, by the emperor. And the gospel message of Rome was this. Through the worship of Caesar and through the reign of Caesar, salvation peace and prosperity would come to the world. I mean, does this sound familiar to you? Just kind of the wrong gospel, the wrong Lord, but the same kind of, the same kind of message. The church in Antioch offered their community an alternative Lord and gospel to that of Caesar and Rome. And what they did, the church in Antioch also offered a vision for society that was radically different to the one that was championed by Rome. Rather than a world characterized by a triangle where, where power was situated at the top and, and everything gravitated towards um, the, the Caesar who sat at the top of the triangle, Jesus came and established a new society called the church which was characterized by the symbol of a circle and equality. And to those living in Antioch, a Lord like Jesus and the Christian version of the gospel and a fair and equitable society, for those living in Antioch, that was incredibly attractive and winsome. And the great thing about Bayview and other church communities, is that we also offer a viable um, alternative to our community. We actually are presenting another Lord. Because in our world today, we don't, we don't have Caesar. Every one of us wants to be Caesar. Every one, every one of us wants to be Lord. And the reality is, we're not very good at it. And we offer the Lordship of Christ, that Christ um, can govern our lives better than we can. We also offer to our community an alternative gospel. The prevailing message in our society is that, that um, um, economic security is the way to secure peace for yourself. And our message is that money cannot save you. But Jesus can and does. And our alternative um, um, vision of society is the church as a model or a microcosm of what our world 
could and should be like. So when people involve themselves in a church community like Bayview, they go, aha, now that is how the world was meant to be. So we are called to offer an alternative. We've also learned that we are to be mission-minded. Perhaps the church in Antioch is best known um, as the base from which Paul the Apostle launched his various missionary journeys um, uh, into into the uh, Mediterranean area. And there are three things that we discovered um, uh, about Antioch in regards to mission. Uh, Firstly, everyone at Antioch saw themselves as a missionary and called to make a positive difference in the world. And every congregation member knew that they were either, um, uh, either um, sent others or they went themselves. Secondly, the church in Antioch gave um, financial assistance to the church in Jerusalem. It gave beyond itself. Um, and a church with a mission mindset understands that its resources are not their own. But we are called to generously support God's work in the world. And then thirdly, what we learned from this this mission mindset in Antioch was whenever Paul returned from his missionary journeys, he would feed back to uh, the the church in Antioch all the wonderful things that happened while he was out making converts and planting churches. And we should be a storytelling church. A mission-minded church has great things to tell about the work of God. Whenever you step out of yourself and embark on communicating the gospel and making a difference in our world, you end up with great stories. And on that particular um, Sunday, we had uh, Fiona Greck from Operation Hope came and shared about their story of, um, of their mission work in Swaziland. Then we learned um, that we are to encourage one another. One of the key um, leaders in the Church of Antioch was a man by, by the name of Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of, son of encouragement. And, um, and Mike reminded us that, um, that Barnabas lived up to his nickname. And Mike shared with us the importance of creating a culture of encouragement. And Barnabas got, well, it was one of these guys that got alongside uh, the church in Antioch. He gets in, in, into the trenches with them and encourages them and sets an example for them. And we learn from, learn from their experience that we are here to kind of push one another on, to encourage one another to go further and, uh, than, than we could possibly go with, than, we, well, than we possibly think we can. Then we learned that worship is a way of hearing God's voice. And I believe with, with deep conviction that this is actually one of the reasons why Antioch was such a dynamic, uh, vibrant church. And in Acts 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers And one day, as they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. 
in that place of, of worship, it says that the Holy Spirit spoke. And I'm all for planning and strategies and, 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 and good governance. But you know what? Sometimes God's, God's will and God's plan supersedes what seems to be a kind of sensible strategy. And it was in that place of worship that the voice of God broke in and, and spoke to them to release Paul and Barnabas for the work of ministry. And I believe that the primary task of, um, of church leadership is to worship in order to hear the voice of God. And you might remember on that day, I apologized to you for being so busy and for not making time to um, prioritize worship as part of my life. And I can tell you, my wife can bear, bear witness to that, this, I've been giving time to prayer, worship, and waiting on God in order to hear for us as a community. We learned that we are to be generous. One of the key aspects of uh, the Antioch church was that they were an incredibly generous church. The word generosity means showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. And Louise shared with us on that morning um, how the church in Antioch expressed their generosity in three ways. They were generous with the gospel. They were generous with their resources. They gave and supported um, the church in Jerusalem. And they were generous with their best. They gave away their finest leaders in Paul and Barnabas to carry the gospel to new places and plant new churches. I'm really excited that I'm actually going to be away for nearly three weeks. Because in my going, there are others that are able to step up to the plate and kind of run things in my absence. And that is a sign of health. That's a great sign when I can go away and not be concerned or worried about how this community is going to be in my absence. Then we have learned that we are to be open to the prophetic. The church in, in Antioch was a church that was influenced by prophetic ministry. And we see a couple of examples of this. For example, in Acts 11, it says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And uh, we invited a, a friend of ours, Lynn Morosi, from um, City Life uh, Church to come and, and speak prophetically into the life of our community. And as, as uh, Lynn was waiting on God, she felt um, to speak on Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to, to 21. And, and her sense was that God was calling us as a church to align ourselves with the marginalized to let go of um, empty religious activities and for us to be prepared to get ready for God to do new things. Then um, we also learnt that we have issues. We have problems. And this is a great relief to me that um, despite being a model church, the church in Antioch wasn't problem-free. We often think that a, a perfect church 
should be a conflict-free congregation. And we need to adjust our expectations. And there are two examples of the church in Antioch facing conflict. The first was a a doctrinal um, disagreement over legalism and the true nature of of the gospel in in, in Acts 15, uh, 1 to 31. And that issue was actually resolved in a wonderful way. The second was a relational conflict between Paul and Barnabas in Again in Acts 15, but in verses 36 to 41. And quite sadly, that, that disagreement wasn't resolved. And on that day, Ted gave us some really practical advice on how we can deal uh, with conflict. But we need to just kind of realize that a great church is not a problem-free church. And the church in Antioch kind of reminds us of that. And finally, we learned that we are to intentionally disciple people. We looked last week at how um, this church took seriously Jesus' call to make disciples. They didn't just gather converts and create a crowd, but they were actually in the people transformation business. In Acts 11 verse 26, it says, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. There is only one kind of Christian and that is the disciple. And um, we looked at uh, the following diagrams. One is unintentional discipleship, and then the other is intentional discipleship. And um, I said that we are moving next year, we will be moving towards a model of introducing this within the culture of our church, that there is an expectation that for those of us to take on positions of responsibility within the life of the church, that we're engaged in some form of, of process of discipleship that leads us from where we are in a greater levels of Christ-likeness. And so there's so much more we could, um, we could uh, have looked at. Um, I hope you found the series um, helpful. Um, for me, Antioch, um, I will come back to this again and again and again because this is for me is the framework it's the blueprint uh, there there are principles um, that were apply in the church of Antioch which I believe God has set within scripture as a as a means for us to kind of um, uh, what's the word to gauge and monitor our health and our success so there you go that's three months preaching in about 25 minutes. Okay, so we're, we're on a journey. We're, 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 we're growing, we're moving. We've got a great future ahead of us. Um, I'm looking forward to going away, having some time out just to kind of look at what God is doing in other places and, and learning from that and hopefully bringing back some, some principles that we can, te- can contextualise here so that we can um, get on with the job of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, serving our community, and um, seeing each and every one of us grow and mature. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Beautiful.